Welcome, Impactful Parents. It's time for the Impactful Parenting Podcast, where I give you parenting tips and resources to make you a more impactful parent to your school-age child. I am your host, Christina Campos. And there's Rodrigo. Good morning. <sighs> Good morning, Christina. How are you doing today? I'm doing real good. Happy Friday. I like this one because I feel like I say this quite a bit uh, in my own house. Toughen up, kid. Uh, because I don't know, Rodrigo, this seems like this generation just isn't as tough as the ones in the past. What do you think about that? Absolutely untrue. <laughs> I think every, why, why does every generation, so, so I used to think that way as well. But I think every generation always thinks that they had it tougher than the next generation. And I just think that every generation has new challenges that the o- o- other generation, I don't want to say older, but I am the older generation doesn't probably understand or didn't have when they were growing up. I know, for example, for me growing up, I thank God there wasn't social media when I was young. Social media would have been terrible for me growing up. I, I know that I would have been caught in that whole FOMO thing. I know I would have been caught up in the whole posting thing and all this stuff. And I know I know that my my I know kids get caught up in that so badly and it's a terrible kind of pressure for them. Fortunately, both of my boys don't um don't don't uh, go through that. Both of my boys don't really care for social media. If you go to my youngest's account, uh, it's, it's a pretty lame account. Uh, it's turned into a praising my girlfriend account. Uh, now, right? So, <laughs> oh, my goodness. So, yeah. Yeah. It's like, 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 I love you, baby. Oh my God. Nine months strong, you know, something like that, whatever. Right. But it's his account. Right. And, and I'm, I'm totally okay with that, whatever. Right. And then my oldest, you know, he, he posts videos of him dressed up and this and that, you know, and his cosplay stuff and other stuff. So they're not caught in that. But there's a different kind of, you know, toughening up that they've had to go through. So I think a lot of times we, we just mischaracterize it because they're not going through the same difficulties that we did, but they're going through their own difficulties. So I, I would push back with that expression with that expression. I love that. No, I love your opinion on it. And it's so great to hear um, that perspective. Uh, I'm not going to disagree with you. I think that growing up right now is really difficult. And I'm grateful that it's not me also. Um, You know, our I wish Dolly was here because our our bullies are now in front of our face instead of being um, just at school or just outside where we were able to run and hide. Now they have entered our room and literally and they're right in our hand with the technology. And that just brings up a whole new set of problems. So uh, today we're going to be talking about how to build resiliency in your child for whatever kind of resiliency they might need um, to have them really feel confident so that they can grow into really confident adults. Building resiliency is actually super important. One of the things that a lot of parents kind of miss out on when they're, or don't do intentionally when they're in their parenting journey. And so there are ways to actually build resiliency. And that's what we're going to talk about today. So, so let's go to an introduction to our mods and then let's get started. Um, I'll start first. Hello, my name is Christina Campos. I'm founder of The Impactful Parent. I help parents of school-age children turn their chaos into connection. I do that through online courses, by one-on-one coaching, and 
uh, by this app that is above my above our heads here, um, where it's a downloadable app that you can just have in your pocket and watch tons of um, parent education videos in there and resources and things. And then Rodrigo, go ahead and introduce yourself. Hello, everybody. My name is Rodrigo. Usually I would just say read the bio and whatnot, but Christina is proud of me to say that I am the owner and founder of Raspas LLC. Uh, I have various professional agency services that I provide, one of them being co-parenting and, and consulting and coaching, where I teach parents how to co-parent through my experience, my education, and really the failures and successes of raising two boys from two moms uh, that are now 20 and 17 and both kind, compassionate, and caring young men. Dolly, what's up? Hello, everybody. My name is Dolly. Hey, do I see myself twice on here? Sorry, squirrel moment. No, I might be your glass. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, I'm a parenting coach, and my focus is on education, um, anti-bullying education for parents. Um, so, and I'm also here, you know, uh, I always share, like Rodrigo said, like what we've learned, you know, with parenting. I have a 14 and a 15 year old uh, daughters and uh, it's been interesting. So that's why I link up with both of you, Cristina and Rodrigo, um, to uh, share more information and, and be able to be a resource to parents. Awesome. Thank you guys for being with me today and let's get started. So uh, what I'm actually getting to today is uh, was taught to me um, by a class that I took and it was offered by the University of Colorado. Um, I believe this was the Denver campus at the time. And the, <clears throat> the trainer at the time had um, given, gave us a, kind of like a, a cheat sheet worksheet of seven C's to build resiliency. And I thought it was really interesting. So uh, we're gonna go through one <clears throat> at a time and let's see how we do with, um, how we can build these certain characteristic traits. And the first one is that we, in order to build resiliency, you wanna start really pushing your kids up to building competence. Now, competence is the ability to handle situations effectively. It's not a vague feeling that I can do this. Competence is acquired through actual experience. Children can't become competent without first developing a set of skills that allows them to trust their judgments, make responsible choices, and then face difficult situations. So that's where the competence comes from. So if you're thinking about your parenting, and you need to go, okay, I got to build more competence in my child. How can we do that? And some of the questions that you can ask yourself to start doing um, competence is, do I help my child focus on his strengths and help them build on them? Do I notice what he does well, or do I focus on his mistakes? And then do I lecture him or do I facilitate that he's, you know, his thinking to help him learn? And do I let him make safe mistakes so he has the opportunity to right himself? Or do I try to protect him from every trip and fall? These are some of the questions that you kind of want to start thinking about. And I'm going to throw it out to the stage now. Um, how do you build competence in your child in your home because that's really what how we're going to learn from each other is how do we do this in our own homes now how do you build competence so i try to do this by challenging my kids with tasks that i know that they're hesitant to try so for example one of my kids she's always been very 
afraid of speaking to people for some reason um, since, I mean, she was very, very tiny. So over the years, she's been able to overcome that, although she's not fully there where she, I believe that she should be. So I always encourage her to say, for example, like go and ask that Apple guy how much the iPad costs because, you know, she wanted to know. So I'm like, so go ask. And she'll say, well, I can't. And then I said, no, it's not that you can't. It's that you won't or you're afraid. And then we talk also about why, you know, why does she feel the way she feels? And then I tell her, you know, I'm going to continue to challenge you, challenge you. And then when she does it, she comes back really happy, like a little four-year-old. She's 14 now. And she's like, oh my gosh, I did it. I did it. And she doesn't realize what big of a deal that is and how it's really helping her. But I, I've seen the growth. So that's how she builds, you know, uh, she sees that she's competent enough to do it on her own to the point to now, where now she'll come home and she'll say, she'll tell me about, you know, she had to go and to the office at school and ask about something and she's so excited because she says i did it all on my own and she says i'm smart i was able to do that and i say yeah you definitely are so it's um i feel like i have to have patience with that too because to me it seems like something so insignificant or small and i don't understand what the hesitation or the fear is but to her it's a big deal so i keep those thoughts to myself and i just continue to try to help her see that she's competent enough to go and um, and ask questions. That's a great example. Um, I'll go too. With, with competence, I think it kind of varies for each one of my four kids. And for the oldest child that I have, which you guys know here, um, he's already grown and 19 and, and headed to college. But in order for me to build his competence, um, I had to first also build confidence in him, which we're going to get to in a minute, because that's actually the second pillar. But he's a words of affirmation guy, like he thrives off of that. And so in order for him to feel good about being competent about things, I had to know that about him. And then I had to like give him tons of words of affirmation. And then that's where the competence comes in next is allowing him to try things underneath my supervision because he still didn't feel quite confident and then say along the way continuing to praise him as he's in his efforts and and really more focusing on the journey versus the end result um was really important in case he couldn't um complete this task uh because that that kid actually had some difficulties he he's dyslexic he's got some learning issues there with learning differences and so throughout his life i wanted to make sure that his self-esteem wasn't going to go down and so it was about tons of words of affirmation and and i would say just like dolly did giving him the opportunity to show that he can prove to himself that he could do it. And a lot of times as parents, I think we swoop in too quickly and we we try to, to fix it or help. And I really had to make sure that with that kid, he knew he could do it. And the only way you know you can do something is if you let them do it, right? So there's my share on that. Does anybody else wanna go? That one's a tough one, I tell you it is. But let's go to the second one, because the second um, resiliency, uh, trait is confidence. And that's kind of, we kind of touched on that and true confidence, like that solid belief in one's own ability. It's rooted in the competence, which is why that one came first, but children gain confidence 
by demonstrating their competence in those real situations. So confidence is not warm and fuzzy self-esteem that results from telling kids they're special or that they're precious. <laughs> Children who experience their own competence and know they are safe and protected develop a deep-seated security that promotes the confidence to face and cope with challenges. And that's kind of where the confidence comes in play. So when parents support children in, in finding their competence and building on them, they're actually preparing kids to gain enough confidence to try new adventures and try their abilities to make their sound choices that they want. So with confidence, you would wanna ask yourself some of these questions. Are you doing this for them? Do, do I see the best in my child so that I can, um, so that he can see the best in himself? Uh, so making sure that you're not looking at things with a critical eye. Uh, do I clearly express that I expect the best qualities and not achievements, this is important, um, in him? So again, it's about the journey, focusing on that journey versus the, the end result. And maybe do I help him recognize what he has done right or well? Or do we just kind of let him do, you know, he they have successes and we just let it go? Uh, do you praise him honestly with specific achievements? Or do you give uh, more of a diffused praise that doesn't seem very authentic? Or again, focus more on that end goal versus the journey goal. And then do I engage him to strive just a little bit further because you believe that he can succeed? So do you hold a realistic expectation for your child? Um, and that's where the confidence comes in. But all this is really difficult stuff to teach, which is why we want to talk about it, but it's, it's a super important. So with confidence, um, Again, I'm going to lead it over to the stage. How do you build confidence in your child? I did a lot of words of affirmation, but uh, other children of mine, they would be different. Anybody do things different besides words of affirmation to build confidence? I'm trying to think about that because I do the words of affirmation, but I think with those, um, I'm very uh, careful with how I do it because I have learned that we parents sometimes use words that... Um, encourage them to seek the validation um, by us. And there are ways that we can do that so that they find the validation within. So that has been something that, you know, I've been learning to do. For example, when my child does walk up to somebody and ask them a question, I tell them um, things like, so how do you feel? You know, I, I ask her how she feels so that she can look within and I ask her, well, how would you um, compliment yourself? And I ask her to practice it. And it sounds really nerdy, but that's, that's what I do. <laughs> that's how I do stuff. And, and I've noticed that now she refers to herself as that, um, that whatever that word she chose, right? So for example, um, one of the things that I see a lot of parents um, say to kids is like oh eres tan linda or you're so beautiful when say like when you you sing right if they're singing really well instead of um complimenting the actual act like saying um oh you sing uh you know your your voice is beautiful or like i can tell you worked really hard with that for um, doing that instead of saying oh that you're so beautiful when you sing it's it's a different meaning so i try to catch myself if i have that because i think like 
culturally, that's how you're raised. You're like, ay, que bonita que eres. Mira como hiciste eso. Instead of like, wow, you did that so well, you know? So complimenting the act so that it does not, um, it's not misconstrued. Do you know? I, I don't think I'm explaining myself correctly, but that's one of the ways that I, that I do that. Uh, yeah, let me see, clarify and see if I'm understanding you, Dolly. You're saying make sure that you focus on the qualities of the child. Um, so some of the things like tenacity, hard work, um, you know, the, the, the grit that they might have in a project versus um, you did a good job. Is that what you mean? Yeah, yeah. And, and also, I do it from the standpoint of knowing their worth for what they do and not um, like who they are as far as like in gender. You know what I'm saying? Like a lot of little girls, they're told like, ay, que bonita que eres. So they feel like their value is in their beauty instead of like, wow, you can really put that, uh, I don't know, that, that Lego back together, you know? Um, you know, so the ability, like you said. So that way they don't think that that yeah i really can't explain this correctly or, or in the right words uh, i just want to make sure that they know that their worth is not in like the outer stuff the stuff that's not as important but their ability so that they do build up on that competence and the confidence yeah i think a big component of that dolly what you're referring to is giving them praise for the things that they've earned not the things that they were given. right right so, yeah so like my boys right my boys are very handsome obviously, but I don't compliment them on their, <laughs> their being handsome, right? I compliment them on how they are as far as their character is. And I also judge them, right? I tell my, my oldest a lot of times, I tell them, man, dude, you're, you're kind of mean, you're kind of this and that, you know? And, and, and they just keep them honest with the things that they can improve and not necessarily compliment them with the things that they don't have any control over. Uh, but, but, but going back to the question as well, you know, regarding confidence and competence, uh, for me, and I, I preach this all the time, every time we're here on the stage, you know, I talk about it, I give my kids agency, and I allow them to fuck up. What does that mean, right? That's like, uh, uh, I let my boys mess up, they, they make their mistakes, they, they grow from that, though. And, and what I really try not to do is disrupt their competence. Uh, my son had an accident in his car, his first car, he was excited, this and that, and then boom, he gets in an accident, right? And I didn't get mad at him. I, I, I told him, hey, that's your car. You know what I'm saying? You, you messed up. Now you got an accident. Now you don't have a car. And if you want to get a car, now you're going to have to fix that or you're going to pay me back when I buy you another car. And what I tried not to do, and I didn't even know I was doing this, Christina, until you really kind of, you know, explain this right now. But what I was trying not to do was undermine his competence as far as driving. Because I saw what that happened with my other son. My oldest son, his mom never allowed him to drive on the highway. Never, never, never. And my son was always taking these back roads and blah, blah, blah. And then when he wanted to come visit me in San Antonio once, he was like, well, I can't drive over there because I got to go on the highway. So I'm going to look for this back route. I said, dude, it's going to take you like five hours. He said, I don't know, dad. I've never driven on a highway. Blah, blah, blah. So one, one week, you know, this is before, during that conversation, before, after that conversation, I go to Houston. And I let him drive my car back. I let him drive my car back. And he's like, are you, are you, are you sure, dad? Are you sure? Blah, blah, blah. And I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so he drove the whole way back, the whole way back. And when we got into San Antonio, my poor son, he, he did a turn. And then this trailer came through 
he had to go to the side and he hit my 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 tire, my rim against a pothole and the air came out. And oh. my son my son lost it. My son lost it. He was like, oh my God. And the worst thing that I heard him say was, oh my God, what my mom said was true. You know, that he's not a good driver. Oh no. And I just I just saw, I just heard him say that, right? And it just, it, it pissed me off, but I also saw how it affected him to the point that he, 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 he was, he was, I don't want to say weak, but he wasn't tough. He, he didn't, he wasn't able to handle that situation because unfortunately he had a different mindset. I, you know, of course I was like, like, man, don't worry about it. Honestly, I was kind of like, damn, he messed up my rim, but it's okay. <laughs> we were okay. Everything was fine. The whole point of that whole story was. I learned from that experience and then applied it to my youngest, my youngest experience when he had his wreck. And I straight up told him, I said, Hey man, those things happen. I've been in accidents myself, you know? And, and he's like, okay, he didn't lose his confidence in driving. He doesn't think that his driving skills are terrible. He knows he needs a little bit more experience, but he doesn't lose that. And what I don't want my boys to be is afraid of making mistakes because when they don't, when they're afraid to make mistakes, that means they won't try. And that to me is true weakness. That's when you're not tough because if you're not tough, you're not willing to try, it's because you probably won't be able to handle those losses. And the one thing that I don't want my kids to be is not afraid to try in fear of losing. You know what I'm saying? That's like the ultimate thing you don't want to happen because then they're gonna really restrict themselves when it comes to life and those decisions and making decisions based out of fear and not based out of love. So I think that's, a, that's kind of a component that I use when it comes to not only building my son's confidence, but also make sure that they maintain uh, their competence. I'd like to add something, because that was such a good example, Rodrigo, like, you know, what you uh, said when he said, oh, my mom was right. It is so um, vital that we watch how we express ourselves about our kids and how we describe them to others, because they're always listening. Um, and because, you know, like he did not, praise himself or credit himself for all that driving that he did with you without having a single accident. He just focused on that one little error, you know, and, and then use that as, oh, there's a validation. She was right. And I always try to remind my kids, you are not your mistake. That is not what defines who you are. And I say that a lot to them because I grew up being told you are this or you're not good at that. And, and you internalize that. And it's crazy because you don't realize that you're internalizing it until somebody points it out or calls you out on it. Um, so I just wanted to share that because I feel like it's so important to tell kids, no matter how big the problem is, how expensive it might be to fix a car or whatever, you are not your mistake. That is not your identity. The next component of the seven C's of building resiliency is connection. Children with close ties to family and friends and school and like that sense of community are more likely to have solid sense of security that produces strong values and prevents them from seeking destructive alternatives. So it's, that's very powerful to have some kind of connection in your child's life. Family is the central force of any child's life, of course, but connections, there could be, it can be outside, it could be religious, it could be educational, it could be athletic groups, um, it could be civic, um, but all those will increase a young person's sense of belonging to a 
a wider world, to uh, being something that's a part of something that's bigger than they are. And that creates a sense of security for them, a feeling of being safe inside of this community. So how do we build connection in our kids? How do we get them to connect with not only our family, but also their community? So the questions to ask yourself with this um, 7C of resiliency is, do we build a sense of physical safety and emotional security in our home? We gotta make sure that our kids feel safe at home. If they don't, then (laughs) there it goes. That sense of security at home is going to be lost. Um, Do I allow my child to have and express um, all types of emotions? Do I let them, um, you know, speak up and say their word? Uh, do we have, um, do we address conflict when conflict arises in our home or do we just avoid it and, you know, suppress it? Do we create a common space where our family shares time together? You know, those intentional family moments. Um, I know people do well with holidays, but what about all the other days of the week uh, when we don't have holidays? And then do we encourage our child to take pride in various um uh, either ethnic, religious, or cultural groups that maybe they they feel like they identify with, do we allow them to do that? Do we allow them to build community outside our home? So again, how we learn from each other is how we actually implement these kind of things. So there's the big idea. How do we build connection with our kids? Um, I'll start off. I don't know. Let's see. Building connection with my kids. You know, I, I schedule it. That's one of the things that I have to do. I am so freaking busy that if I don't actually put it in my schedule, like this is an hour I'm going to spend with this child. And since I have four and I really value personal one-on-one time with each kid, if I don't put it in my calendar, I won't do it. And I'm an impactful parent, (laughs) but that's what I need to do for myself. And it's okay. I put it in my calendar. I make sure that I give each kid some one-on-one time and, um, that's how I start feeling connection and make them feel a sense of belonging with me. Outside of my community, in the summertime, I'd make my kids, we do a lot of uh, volunteer work so they can build something outside of that. I do encourage them to uh, join groups and things that they feel engaged, that they might feel engaged in. Um, geez, there's lots of things. I love building connections because that's the main point of the impactful parent is to build more connection into your child. So I can go on and on. I want to leave it over to Rodrigo and Dali. How do you build connection in your family? That's a good question. One of the things that I have done is I do dates with them. Um, I do them uh, once a quarter, although I would love to have more um, like actual dates, like actually going out, out and doing something special. Um, but throughout the week, I like to have little cute time, you know, quality time with them alone. Sometimes I do it, the three of us, but I, I've seen that they're more impacted when I take time just with them. So, for example, um, we will just um, have a facial together, like, you know, those masks that you buy and, you know, you put them together and then. Um, I'll always ask her like, Hey, do you want to braid, braid my hair? Do you want to try a new hairstyle? Cause they're into trying new stuff. And so I volunteer myself to be the guinea pig. And let me tell you, it's painful sometimes, <laughs> but it's really cool because those little moments actually matter a lot to them. Or, um, like my younger one, she loves having the car 
conversations with me. So if she hears me uh, me say, I have to go to the store, then she's like, can I ride with you? I'm like, yeah, come on, let's go. And so I'll deliberately make my trip longer just to spend more time with her. Or like her and I are the early birds. We wake up early in the morning. So um, especially on weekends, her and I have about four hours all to ourselves. And I try to do what she likes. Like she's into drawing anime. So I'll watch her. I'll be her reviewer. She she likes me giving her um, opinion, you know, feedback about the drawings. And um, we also talk about books because she's reading a lot of anime books. So that's how I spend it with her. Whereas Nadia, like my older one, she's more into the 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 planning exuberant trips that she'll <laughs> most likely not to, not be able to partake in. Like she wants to go to all these con um, concerts and she wants to travel here and there. And, I encourage it and say, yeah, we're, you know, we're going to try to do something. But uh, she's the dreamer. She likes to hear me say, yes, you know, I'm sure that you can do that. And she does most of the talking um, when we spend time together. So that's how I do it. And aside from that, they always come up with like, hey, let's have a movie night. So I let them pick because um, I always try to make it be about them and let me tell you sometimes like I've seen this one movie so many times I don't want to watch it anymore but I'll do it anyway and because um, it I, I notice how much it means to them so that's that's how I do the the quality time with them and I noticed that when when they spend time more time with us the more they feel of course loved and appreciated but um, even when we include, say, like grandma and their titi, they, I've noticed that what their grandma and titi think of them matters a lot. And it actually has um, helped them make decisions, especially when the decision, like, for example, like one of my daughters is the older one. She's like, oh, I want to go slap this girl because she said blah, blah, blah. But I know grandma and titi would not be very proud of me. I mean, you guys too, but grandma and titi that's like a whole other two people that they care about that they don't want to let down so i think that's what's important about having that sense of family and unity and community i need to reiterate one of the things that you said because it was very powerful one of the mistakes that i see most parents make when they're trying to create a connection with their child is that they might schedule intentional time with their child for example they could say Okay, Saturday, we're going to go to the zoo and we're going to go, uh, I'm going to buy tickets to go on the merry-go-round that's at the zoo and we're going to get some hot candy and we're going to have this fantastic day. And they never asked the child what they wanted to do. And that is what you're doing, Dolly, um, that you let your child steer the wheel and guide you in what, how they want to spend their quality time with you. And that's super important. So be careful as a parent when you're trying to correct create these connections. The zoo might sound like a fantastic idea to you, but you really do need to give your, as Rodrigo would say, your child agency into what, how they want to spend time with you because it may not be the same. So make sure that you're on the same page. Do you, do you know how many times I've watched RuPaul's Drag Race, Christina? Oh, no. I, have, <laughs> I have zero interest in that. <laughs> I follow it with my son because like Dolly said and you reiterated, that's what my son likes. And so that's what I, you know, that's what we spend time and we bond on. And and I learn, right? I learned about that, you know, that whole uh, uh, process, that culture and all that stuff. But, uh, but yeah, you really need to let your child kind of lead that 
so that you get a better interaction so you build build a better connection and that's all part of just being uh, uh having great communication when you when you start off with great communication good communication open communication and transparent communication your kids are going to be much more likely to engage with you to be honest about what's going on with them and to share with you what's what's really affecting them or what's going on as opposed to when you try to force it with like you said christina a trip to the zoo or a trip to something that I like, right? Uh, you know, when we when we go to the movies, you know, it's like every now, you know, I used to rotate it, right? It's like, hey, this week you're gonna choose the movie. Hey, this week you're gonna choose them. Hey, this week I choose the movie. We did the same thing with dinners. We would rotate who would get to, you know, choose the dinner and stuff. And uh, and just by allowing them to have a choice, an option, it really kind of fostered that sense of like I belong in this conversation. I belong. I'm a part of this connection. It's just not a one-way street. It's a two-way street. And it allows for fostering the communication that ultimately you need to have. If you want your kids to have that confidence, to have that confidence, to ask you for those for that question that they have instead of somebody else, a friend, or something that they see on social media or whatever, you know, you have to lay the groundwork first. And so I appreciate you, both of y'all bringing up those, uh, those, uh, uh, those examples. Uh, yeah, so before I move on to the next character, I just wanted to make sure LaVon and Jacqueline didn't want to comment on the connection piece. Um, yeah, I love everything that you said. Um, and it got me thinking about my daughter, um, because a lot of times I will ask her what she wants to do or whatever. And she's just like, nothing. I've got too much homework. Nothing. I've got too much homework. So um, I guess I'm just looking for ways to encourage her to do more things outside of homework because I think it may have become uh, more of an avoidance for her right now. Um, I don't know. So anyway, I'm struggling with that a little bit. Yeah, it's difficult when they want to avoid like that. And I guess I would go ask, um, we'll have to dig deeper a little bit more about why is there avoidance there? What's going on? Is it, I doubt that it's all homework or maybe it could be, it also could be that she doesn't know how to take breaks, which is another just character trait. I mean, some people, um, especially kids, cause they're experiencing life for the first time. I know myself, if I don't schedule in my breaks and learn, I had to learn, like teach myself how to do that. I'll just keep working and working and working and working. And so there's either two things happening there, Luan, like just from my little clippet of what I hear you say, it's either she's using homework as an excuse and it's a, an avoidance issue and you have to figure out why is it that she's trying to avoid some connection time with you? Um, and then, or it could be that she just simply doesn't know how to stop herself and feels very driven I, in I think, uh, with. Oh, I'm sorry, you, okay. Um, I think right now with her, she's in a college prep high school and their workload is really heavy. And if she gets any, if she gets behind a little bit that um, she, she starts to stress out and have anxiety and the world is horrible. And part of that is perfection, perfection, perfection. She feels like she has to be perfect at the school, perfect with her lesson, perfect grades, uh, things like that. Yeah, perfectionism will be a whole other realm of different things to work on. Um, and it will just be important for you to like to build this connection to force her to take some breaks. But in order to not increase her stress level, 
um, you might have to schedule those breaks when she's completed some of her work because otherwise it will seem just stressful for her. And then wanting to connect with you is going to feel like a drag and a nuisance, right? Because she she feels like she has to get that done. So there's a couple of different things that you'll have to be working on that with that, but <clears throat> but making those connection time, I would ask her, when can I make it a connection with you? When is this over? Can we have 15 minutes together when you're done with this? And then start small, start small, go with those baby steps first. Let's start with 15 minutes after you're done. When you're ready, let's have some ice cream together and then I'll leave you alone. May I add something? So I actually experienced something like this. Um, I noticed too that my older one, she was, uh, spending a lot of time with homework and she, she was taking all honors and AP classes. And, uh, what I decided to do with her, cause I did, I have a, I had a sense that she was trying to avoid just being with us. Cause we, you know, teenagers right now, they think that we're boring and all that. So, um, I asked her to try working on her homework downstairs, um, uh, with us and we would be quiet. So lo and behold, her homework suddenly got done really, really fast. <laughs> and then, um, so she stopped having those really late nights of quote unquote homework. And she actually ended up staying, sticking around with us. Um, because when we noticed that she was done with school, then we'd put on like everybody's favorite show and we'd watch it together. Or maybe by then I had like a yummy treat ready. So it was all strategic <laughs> just to, you know, like get her to engage more with us. So that's something that worked for me. And I just wanted to share it in case that's a situation with you. Maybe you can try it and see how it works out. Thank you, Dolly. And yes, um, spot on, spot on. Awesome. Um, I like to go. Well, actually, we have Jacqueline and Gloria. Jacqueline and Gloria, would you would you like to contribute to the connection part before I move on to the next C? I wanted to, because um, I raised my hand during the confidence part. Oh, yeah, no, go ahead. <laughs> and I, I was hoping, um, so I PTR'd uh, me at nine years old. I was 200 pounds, and I had cousins who weren't obese like I was. Um, and my mom, I would ask her, like, because they would constantly uh, comment on my cousin's beauty, and I would ask her, like, am I beautiful? And my mom said, no, you're not but you're smart. And to be honest with you, I wish my mom, at least like for my inner child healing, I wish my mom would have said you're beautiful in your own way. Because now as an adult, I struggle. Like I, I, I struggled in my 20s to, to have that confidence in dating and confidence in like, I bring a lot to the table and I had to learn like in really painful ways that I do bring a lot to the table. And so I, I, I say this, that even whether a child has weight issues or has other issues, it's important to instill that they're beautiful in their own way. Um, and also, like you said earlier, that they, they also need to um, work for what, um, like, you know, do their homework and things like that. I just wanted to share that because certain things like that, like where they're like, don't don't tell someone or not don't rely on your looks but some some like struggle like i was i i was bullied for my weight when i was in elementary school and then it became an obsession that i needed to lose weight and after i lost the weight um i still i i i want to say like there's still parts of me that is like obsessed like i don't want to get back to 200 pounds and i run a lot 
and I, I become like antisocial because I choose to run before I, I hang out with people and stuff like that. And so I just wanted to share that. That's important to have all the aspects <laughs> and confidence, even those that like struggle with like seeing beauty within themselves. So I just wanted to share that. Thank you. Thank you, Jacqueline. No, it's so important, your message. I'm glad that you spoke up. And it is true that we, sometimes we learn things in our parenting from what our parents did that we don't want to redo, right? And so we're, we're trying to become better. We're going to be better than our parents. And that's a great message. Thank you for sharing. Gloria, uh, welcome to the stage. Well, how would you like to contribute? Hello, everybody, and thank you for having me here. Um, I just want to say, well, um, I have a seven, 11 years old, and seven years and 11. And then um, what I like to connect with them is like uh, when I'm cooking, I bring them with me to cook. And then sometimes my older ones say, hey, can we go to Starbucks, you know, like on the weekend? And like, uh, I, I just like, why not? I want to spoil them and just go spend time. And I put myself on away and they order what they want and sit down and just spend time. We don't talk, but sit down and just be there to each other, looking each other, eating. Like, it's, it's so cool. It's amazing to me. And uh, also we go into the park or uh, I sit down with them and play. I mean, and what I love the most is when I go to spend. I, even though he's 11 years old, my husband said, well, he needs to start growing up and be like independent. Like, I don't care. This is my best time that I have more time or had the time to sit, uh, sleep down, lay down with them and cuddle and just mess on with them. And it's a great time for me at uh, night to spend time with them. Yes. I love that you're connecting with your child. Yes, I love it. Uh, thank you, Gloria, for that share. I appreciate you being up here. Um, I'm going to go and reset the room real quickly. Uh, we're talking about how to build confidence or how to build resiliency in your children. And there's seven steps to this. A couple of the ones we've been through so far are competence, confidence, connection. And now we're going on to the next one, which is number four, and that is character. Children need a fundamental sense of right and wrong in order to ensure that they are prepared to make those wise choices to contribute to the world even and become stable adults. So children with character enjoy a, a strong sense of self-worth, their confidence, um, they're more comfortable sticking to their own values and demonstrating a caring attitude toward others. So some of the questions you wanna ask yourself if you think that you're instilling character in your child is, do I help my child understand how his behaviors affect people in a good and bad ways? This is such an important lesson when your kid is growing, obviously. Um, am I helping my child recognize himself as a caring person? Uh, do I allow him to clarify his own values? And do I model the importance of caring for others and demonstrate that importance of community? So that's how you would build character. I invite anybody on the stage, go ahead and um, flash your mic if you'd like to contribute. Um, how do you build character or how would you see somebody, um, even like, I, like Jacqueline, you know, how did your did your parents do that for you? And now you want to, you know, reinstill that back into your children. I think, Christina, one of the biggest things that we can do as parents is modeling the behavior. 
I think it's really critical that when we say something that we also do do the same thing that we do, that we, do, we don't just talk the talk, but that we walk the walk. I know that for me, when my kids were young and I was, you know, we, I was going through those trials of co-parenting with Rodrigo's mom, it was super difficult. It was very difficult for me to say, hey, you need to be nice, you need to be kind, you need to be caring. And then the interactions that I had with his mom were anything but that. And uh, it took me a while. And once I started kind of uh, definitely uh, turning that corner and then working on my own mental health journey, that, that uh, I started really talking, not just talking, but also walking. And uh, it, it was critical in making sure that my son saw that. Uh, my son now, my oldest now, sees his mom uh, just, just in an unfortunate way right now because she's not modeling the behavior that she expects from him. And in fact, the behavior that she discourages him from doing, she's doing herself. And it's a sad thing because my son will tell me, you know, he'll, we, we were hanging out two weekends ago, right? We went to a, a cosplay conference and my son did this and did that. And one of the conversations we had was, um, yeah, my mom, my, my mom said this, this is this and that. And then I told my son, I said, that doesn't make any sense because your mom did this and that. And I said, I know dad, that's what I'm saying. I don't get it, you know, and this and that. And what it does, it undermines my son because my son gets, you know, a lot of what he knows and what he understands from his mom, as well as me, right? We're the biggest influences. And so it just creates this kind of instability within himself, kind of wondering. And, and, uh, and he straight up told me this week, this, that past time that we were talking, he goes, I don't know if I want to know the truth. This is very deep within our conversations, but uh, he, he kind of doesn't know or doesn't know what to believe from the past. And he says, I don't know if I want to know the truth. And, and for him, it, it creates this insecurity, right? And just like uh, Jacqueline was sharing earlier, right? The, the one thing that we, we can definitely do for our kids is try our best to make sure that they are confident and competent. And, and by not doing that, we create these insecurities in our kids that they have to outgrow at some point, right? Or they have to go to, you know, to, to, to uh, find the resources to do. I, for myself, I've been through my mental health journey and I'm still going through it. My son right now is going through therapy because he wants to understand all that stuff. I, I say all that because at the end of the day, you know, if we want our kids to quote unquote toughen up, we have to prepare them to be tough. And if we don't prepare them, and undermine them, you know, we, we just kind of roll back the clock, unfortunately, with them, and they'll have to start their own path, uh, uh, you know, on, on, a, on a certain pathway. And, and, and one last point I'll make is that with my other son, with Samuel and his mom, we've had a great co-parenting relationship. Uh, uh, you know, we, we uh, uh, I, I'm, I'm about to drop off my son right now, in fact, and I drove from San Antonio to Houston to, to, to drive, you know, uh, to, to drop him off. And we have a great, con a great time conversing, you know, positively about this and that. And, and if you look at my youngest, he, he is super healthy, very confident, uh, jokes a lot. And I think he gets that a lot because he saw like, you know what, Th these two grown adults never fought in front of me, never did anything crazy in front of me. And when they had an issue, they resolved it the way it's supposed to be resolved. And my son does that. So I think one of the most important things we could do again is model the behavior we want our kids to, to, to show. 
and and not only and do that, but when we talk the talk, we better make sure that we walk the walk as well. Very well said. Welcome to the stage, Jason. I'd like to uh, give you the opportunity to contribute to that if you'd like. Yeah, I just want to touch on what Rodrigo was saying. Um, we don't understand that the the blessings and the makings of our kids are in the labor of of love of what we do and how we live. And one thing I can say, you know, within our communities is like it's because, like for example, at 14 years old, I thought I was a badass, and I, in front of my grandfather, and you know what he did? He made me go work in the fields for a week to teach me a lesson. Yeah, I made some money, but when I saw guys my own age, maybe younger, out there picking grapes, you know, picking, doing all kinds of hard stuff, and then their their parents are telling them like it's not really much of a choice because you got to go do this. It wasn't he he didn't do it to shut me up. He taught me, you know, in the in the walk in the works is the making of your standards and your abilities. And, you know, with a lot of leverages that we have and we allow in our attention, like people are panicking left and right because they don't know how to manage the, the difficult situations. My parents came from a generation where I remember in the late 70s, the gas shortage, the long lines. I remember what it was like, you know, to eat once a day. I don't forget, you know, so you can't take away your obstacles from your kids and toughening them up is not so much that you're toughening up it's that you're hardening them up from from questions they should not be asking or really touching on like yo my dad is this way my mom's this way you know one thing my dad you know he wasn't there much but one thing my dad did he never talked bad about my mom never did and um and that set i mean it set a strong precedence of respect from me to him in the long run but maybe in my mom's perspective, you know, it's because my father didn't step up. And when she did complain, we did hear it. So it'd be a contradiction constantly, like what Rodrigo was just talking about. So it's like, well, how do you, now that you're the adult, you're the parent, and now you set the new trend. And it's just like, yeah, I don't, I don't want to yell at my kids. Yeah, it's okay for them to see me angry. I can't guide them and protect them from emotions because how do you process your emotions when you don't think they're looking they're watching and then when you see them handle it the same way and you're like whoa 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 you shouldn't be doing that but dad you did but dad you did or mom you did you know it's hard pill to swallow and then we counter we we counter them like well i, I you should know better I, I was at my weakest we make some excuse but excuses only fly for so long before their behavior and the people we surround ourselves with, um, how they adapt to us. You know, um, my question on my podcast this morning was, how do we really retain our own freedom? And it's not talking about your political rights. It's talking about your freedom of choice and your spirit of who you are with the people that you serve and your family. So that's pretty much what I wanted to say. This is such a great conversation. I'm so grateful for everybody here today. Um, if you just came in, we're talking about how to build resiliency in your children, how to tough them up, <laughs> is a better way to say it. But so far, what we've talked about is you have to instill competence, confidence, connection, 
and character. And now the next component in order to build resiliency is contribution. Children who understand the importance of personal contribution gain a sense of purpose that can motivate them. Uh, they will not only take actions and make choices that improve the world, but they will also enhance their own competence and their own character and that sense of connection by doing a contribution. And uh, it's such an important thing to teach your kids. So here you go. Here's the questions to ask. Are you teaching your kids how to contribute to something bigger to, than themselves? Do I communicate to my child that many people in the world don't have as much as um, as maybe that you have or doesn't have freedom, doesn't have the security that maybe that they have? Do I teach the important value of serving others? Um, do you model, as we were just talking about, do you model generosity? Um, do you make clear to your child that you believe that he or she can improve the world? And do you create opportunities for your child to contribute? So allow them to, to make these kind of contributions. And, and do you search for your child's uh, circle for other adults who might serve as role models who can contribute to their, to their world too? Um, I'm gonna put Rodrigo on the spot here because Rodrigo is one of the best contributors that I know. And I want you to talk a little bit about that and how has your contribution, how you have certain things that you do every month, Rodrigo, how has that affected your kids? That's that's really kind of you, uh, Christina. Yeah, I think I think when it comes to contrib contrib contributions and making sure that my kids understand how important it is to give back and this and that, it gives them it gives them a sense of perspective that I think they are kind of sheltered from. You know, uh, uh, Jason was talking about it earlier, right? How you know our 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 kind of our humble beginnings with with our with our own origins, right? We've been through that, right? We don't necessarily want our kids to go through that, right? But they still need to understand that. And so I think one of the biggest things that we can't I can do is just make sure that they understand that when you're in a position of privilege, that you use that position of privilege in a positive way, and that you contribute back to your community, that you contribute back to your family to those around you and this and that, that you help others and not just, you know, sustain your position of privilege, but also help others, you know, to, to give that um, uh, that hand up, if you will. Uh, a lot of times, uh, um, and you, I mean, everybody knows this, I, I kind of pick a charity every month that I give back to, or I kind of focus my efforts to as far as fundraising is concerned. And by doing that, my, my kids see that and they'd say, hey, you know what? Dad contributes, I want to contribute as well. And they already know, hey, we're going to go out there. We're going to go to the food bank and sort out some some canned goods. Hey, y'all, we're going to go to a charity walk that, you know, I signed us all up for and this and that. And sometimes they go begrudgingly, okay? It's like I got to kick their ass, get up, let's go, this and that. But every single time we've done it, every, every moment that we've had and we shared, at the end of the day, <clears throat> my boys say, man, I had a lot of fun. You know, or, or damn, I, I didn't realize that was going on. And by really exposing them to that, it, it, it uh, and again, to what Jason said, it, it hardens them. It, it lets them know, like, hey, you know what? I am lucky. Uh, you know, my, my dad went through this. Grandma and grandpa went through this. You know, I don't got to go through that. So so I, I, how, how do I personalize that? Well, when they see that, you know, when, when they understand that the help that they give really helps others, they understand that their position, it, it is a lucky one, and that they need to use that to to really uh, um, 
help others and not just kind of rest their laurels on their position of privilege. And, and when I say position of privilege, I'm not saying like, you know, we're rich or anything like that. But I think like anybody else, I, I know my parents, they, they, they crossed the river without a GPS and all that, right? I know that I grew up sometimes eating the same meal every single day. You know what I'm saying? Yes, we're not rich, but we're definitely way better off than my parents are. And I know that my kids are better off than how I grew up with. I'm not going to recreate those moments, but I'm definitely going to let them know like, hey, you know what? Let, let's work on this to make sure that, you know, you understand that with your position, with your privilege, there comes some responsibility. Nice. I love that so much. And yes, it contrib contribution is huge. It just gives your child that sense in that I, I have purpose, I can make a difference in the world, I can do things, and I can help other people, and it's such a great quality. So again, here we go, we have competence, confidence, connection, character, contribution, and we have two left, the next one is coping. Children who learn how to cope effectively with stress are better prepared to overcome life's challenges. So the coping, is really important that for us to teach our kids the best protection against unsafe worrisome behaviors may be a wide repertoire of positive coping strategies and yet parents see this all the time we don't teach our kids how to cope you also need to you know do you model behavior for coping strategies on a consistent basis these are the questions you would ask yourself do you guide your child to develop positive and effective coping strategies do you model the importance of self-care because that's a way to cope do you encourage creative expression because that's another way to cope um, do you create a family environment to which talking and listening and sharing is safe and comfortable and productive that's Always, you're going to teach your child how to cope. Um, and actually, I have a story about this too. I have um, a child who went through a really, really hard period of time and was trying to learn how to cope with some big issues. In that time period, um, they they started wearing these band aids, and I was like, "What the heck is that on your arm? Did you did you really like hurt yourself?" And uh, the child's like, no, 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 no. I just put the Band-Aids on there and I could see that there wasn't anything underneath the Band-Aid. Um, all these weird, silly Band-Aids. And it was his coping mechanism. When things got uh, difficult, he would take these ridiculous Band-Aids, like let's say Mickey Mouse, <clears throat> excuse me, like Mickey Mouse or emoji Band-Aids, put them on his arm and they made him smile. So every time he got stressed, he would look down on his arm and it would make him smile and that relieved a little bit of stress for him. And if he had several Band-Aids up his arm, well, that just meant it was a very high stress day. And it was also a cue to people outside of, um, like at school, teachers knew, oh, there's a, this is a, a lot of Band-Aids day. Okay, Cody's having a difficult time. And then they knew that that kid might need support that day too. So it was all, also an outwardly sign. I would have never thought of that on my own, ever, ever, ever. Your child kind of has to find out what's good for them. And I do want to open up the stage if you have any suggestions on how to teach your child how to cope or any um, coping stories. So anybody on the stage, if they would like to unmic, they may contribute. I, I have a question. You know, I, I ask my kids a lot of things in the Socratic way that give me an answer and I ask them another question because they know that they have to follow up with their actions.
I think that's also a big contributor is that we ask them questions like not interrogation, but seeing how they're really their minds are understanding any circumstance, any problem they deal with, you know, whether it be school, friends, even family, you know, sometimes, you know, like we tell our kids, hey, don't say anything, but we don't say, we explain why. Like, oh, this is not our place to to add our two cents. You know, I ask my kids questions like, so if you did this and you had these two outcomes, what would you think? Or what is your response for both? And when I do this to my kids, they think it's a pain in the butt, but I've literally seen my 14-year-old, her literally make a decision like, no, I'm not going to go down that road. I really don't want to do this to one of her friends who was trying to add peer pressure. And I'm like, you know, and she didn't realize I was watching. I was listening, but we talked the next day and she was like, I said, I want to bring something up and I don't know whether it's a bad or a good time, but I want to talk to you about it because I'm proud of you. And she goes, what? And I say, remember when you were talking to your friend about such and such? And she's like, yeah. And I said, what was in your thinking and why you said no? And her follow-up was, Dad, because you asked me enough questions that it get on some of my nerves, but now I start thinking for myself before you tell me anything. Really, am I in attendance? Am I performing or am I exploring? Sometimes you're all three, but in the moment, it could be that one hesitation that could hold you back enough or, or make them go forward because they're thinking about the outcomes, not you. <laughs> that is so amazing. That's such a great contribution, Jason. What a wonderful example. We are learning so much from your parenting. I love it. Um, all right, guys, I'm going to give you the last one so far. Building resiliency in your child. We have competence. We have confidence. We have connection. We have character, contribution, coping. And the last component of building resiliency in your child is control. When a child realizes that they can control the outcomes of their decisions and their actions, they're more likely to know that they have the ability to do what it takes to bounce back. This is where the resiliency really starts to kick in. On the other hand, if parents make all the decisions and children are denied opportunities to learn control, then a child who feels like everything always happens to me sees control as external. And whatever he does really doesn't matter because he has no control over the outcome. See how that happens? But a resilient child knows that he has internal control, that he can control his environment, um, that by his choices and actions, he determines results. He knows that he can make a difference, which further promotes his competence and his confidence that we started out with. So questions to ask yourself here are, do I help my child understand that life's events are not purely random and that most things happen as a direct result of someone else's actions and choices? I love this because this is just what Jason was talking about. Um, do I help him think about the future, but take it one step at a time? Um, do I help him recognize even his small successes so that he can experience that knowledge that he can succeed? Uh, do I help him understand that no one can control all the circumstances, but everyone can shift the odds by choosing positive or protective behaviors? And then lastly, do I understand that, um, that discipline is about teaching, not punishing? It's not about control either. So 
do I use discipline as a means to help my child understand that his actions produce certain consequences? And so I actually have a free PDF for you for this one too. Um, I talk about this a lot in my um, parenting and all of this is actually inside my app. Both of those free PDFs are inside my app. Um, this one, I believe it's at theimpactfulparent.com slash, um, Oh, I'm trying to remember what it's uh, learning from mistakes. That's what it would be learning from mistakes. And it gives you questions that if you're not quite as practiced at doing this, like Jason is, um, it just helps you get started questions to ask your child when they make a mistake so that they can start learning from their actions. And then eventually you'll get really good at it and be able to do it without the free PDF. But in the beginning, it's kind of hard. It's very difficult. And I want to assist you in that. So if you want that free PDF, again, you can download the app or you can message me in the back channel and I'll get you that um, theimpactfulparent.com slash learning from mistakes PDF. But again, here we go, the stage. What do you guys do to teach your child this? Or do you do you teach your child this? My question is, it's like when we do our daily things, um, like I write in a journal, I write a perspective, a journal I write using stoicism and the Socratic method, which is answering a question with a question. So before you speak, you're asking another question. Someone did ask me about that. And problem solving is really, you're making their IQ um, be responsive for their EQ. So intelligence versus emotions, emotional intelligence are two different things. Are you anticipating being the listener or, or what they're going to say or how they're going to be punished to get them to make choice by decision because of a default of they realize the bad or it's just a punishment of, oh, you did bad, here's what you get. And then there's no follow-up. So my question would be to think about how you can build that resilience, that confidence, the respect in themselves as they see as a result and you not just picking up, like letting the lesson finish out for them before you pick it up for them. I see that that's something that I had to go through and a lot of other parents when they talk about, when they complain about their kids and I'm like, if your kid were here, not today, would you still be complaining? No, okay, so now that you're here, where do you show up? Are you automatically anticipating what they explain. Do you rapid fire questions to make them in fear? If you're not taking the time to listen for the confidence, you know, the confidence in the confidence of the privacy of your talk. Like, I know there's one bad thing in our culture. Like if you tell your mom something bad and you admit up to it, she's gonna have a conversation with your theos and theos and then everyone brings it to that light and it sometimes it's comedy and then sometimes it's really embarrassing as opposed to you know this part of confidence has just us in the privilege no one else is going to know about this but i want you to learn so when we look at our responses and how we build resilience it's the respect within us and then them because we don't see that until they're off on their own. You know, some parents don't know how to let go of those reins. It's like, wait a minute, they're going to make a decision regardless of me or not. So you're with it or you're not. Link there, it's actually, I put it above um, because the the URL is theimpactfulparent.com slash learning questions. That's what it is. Um, but thank you, Jason. I love that. Um, anybody else on the stage, would you like to add to what Jason has to say there? 
Actually, I'd like to um, add something in respect to, you know, the fact that sometimes we share our kids' mistakes with other family members. Um, I think it's, I don't know if it's a cultural thing, but I remember that happening um, to me. And I remember because I knew that my mom would tell like my tias or, you know, somebody or the neighbor, um, I kind of got resentful about it because I kept telling her, please don't share that. Um, and then as a parent, that happened to me as well. And I mean, now I realize that she was sharing because she wanted guidance from other parents. But uh, that's one of the things that I've learned to to respect her, my kids' opinions or their, their requests um, to not overshare. Um, and I just wanted to throw that out there because I saw how deep it hurt her that I was sharing with their, the two people that she cares most about, her titi and her grandma. Um, and, and I had a hard time with it. I'm not going to lie. I was like, what the heck? You know, I'm going to share whatever the heck I want to share because you're my kid. And, you know, if I want to tell grandma, then I'm going to tell grandma. But then, you know, that night I, I just thought about it. I was like, wow, uh, why am I doing this? Because my mom did that to me and I remember how it felt. Um, so now I honor it, you know, and it's really hard because sometimes I really want to reach out, especially when I know that those two people have a, a big influence um, in her. So instead of telling them what she did, I asked for help in a different way without really telling them what's going on, you know? So I just want to throw that out there in case it helps anybody, because I'm pretty sure I'm not the only parent that's had to deal with that. And thank you so much for sharing that. Yeah, um, you are definitely not the only one. Um, I don't know that I don't is it cultural? I know my family too was always like, there's no secrets and everybody knows everybody's business and they would just tell it and I learned resiliency through that, that I couldn't let it get to me that everybody knew my my personal things, but it wasn't easy. It definitely was not a very easy path to get through that. I don't know. Christina? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, I I think, yeah. I think in general, people just um, like to talk. It's called gossip. And whether it be with family or friends or complete strangers, I think that's probably part of part of that as well. But um, literally, I just feel like there's so much information, so much information that it's, it, it's just a lot of information. So what I decided to do was just go ahead and download your app, <laughs> finally, and then just go through it as need be, because I, I think that's a great resource for people to really tap into a lot of the stuff that everyone has spoken about today. But also you can go through there and pace yourself. It's great information. It's impactful, literally. So I just want to say thank you for that. Thank you, Levon. I appreciate that. And yes, I mean, that's kind of what ends up happening is I put out so much information. I was trying to figure out how do I get this all in one place where make it easy. And that's what I came up with is to create that app. So I hope that you find it as a great resource for you. Uh, that is our seven C's of resiliency, you guys. I'm going to wrap it up just by reviewing it one more time. And then I'm going to give some closing, um, an opportunity for some closing remarks on this. So as we talked about today, to toughen up your kid and build resiliency, uh, there are seven components to do that. You want to build competence. You want to build confidence. You want to build connection. You want to build character, contribution, coping and then control, um, that they have the ability to control their life, that they have some agency, as Rodrigo would say, and that they feel like they uh, make a difference in the world. So with all of that, your child has the tools that they need to be 
more resilient. And that's really what today's um, episode was all about is how do we give our kids those tools? That's the way we do it. That's the way we do it, people. So Rodrigo, I'm pass it to you. Uh, maybe a takeaway that you learned and then let's say um, wrap it up and say goodbye. Yeah, you know, I, I, uh, I had one last share that I wanted to do with control. And that was uh, one time, I'm not gonna get to the whole story, but basically I tried to take away control of my son's situation. He was being bullied at school. And me being, you know, the dad that I am, I, I wanted to go to this kid's house and beat up his parents, you know, and, and teach him a lesson and all this other stuff, right? <laughs> and what I didn't realize, no, I've got stories like that, I trust me. But, but what I didn't realize though, at the end of it was that I was taking away my son's control to manage his own situation. And I was super proud of my son because uh, I found out about this bullying situation by happenstance, just pure accident. And I'll share that story another time when it's kind of relevant. But at the end of the day, when I confronted my son about it, I said, hey man, you know, just let me know what, what do you need? This and that, my son said, hey, I got this dad, I got this. He literally told me I got this. And I was both stunned and confused because I had all this parental rage ready to go, right? <laughs> But my son awesome. wanted to Papa keep control. Oh man, I was I was ready to fuck some people up, right? But but my son totally to dismissed that and said, "I got this. I, I don't worry about. It. I, I can handle it." And, and when my son said that, like I said, I was confused. But you know, later on, I was like, "Damn, man, that is so dope that my son was able to just handle that on his own." And I asked him later on, and he told me, "Oh, I just talked to the guy, you know, and I told him I didn't like it, and you know, eventually he just got bored because I didn't pay it any attention." And it was wild that my son was just able to do that on his own and just kind of understanding for me, it, it really what ended up happening was it helped me understand how important it was. And I did commit a mistake in not giving my son that control and letting him, you know, figure that out, uh, you know, letting him go. Right. Cause we, we, sometimes we don't want to push our kids off that nest and let them fly on their own. But I didn't even realize that my son was definitely an Eagle already by that time. He was handling that situation. So I think the most important thing that we can do as parents is definitely, like you said, following all those steps and making sure that we always give our kids a chance. You know, that might be another C, right? Just give them a chance. Let them, you know, if they mess up, they mess up. If, if, they, if they make the wrong, whatever. But giving them a chance and letting them take control of their own, you know, uh, adversity sometimes, I, I think that'll help harden or toughen up our kids as well. And thank you so much, Christina, for holding the space as always. And thank you for everybody that's contributed today. Uh, such a rich conversation that really is needed and that I'm really happy to be a part of. Thank you all. And allow your child to have those chances while they still are in the home. Don't wait until your child leaves the nest before they start taking those chances. You want them to be able to do it while you're at home, even though it's a little bit more stressful for us. You want them to be able to come to you and still be in your house so that you are there to support them. So oh, such a great uh, contribution again, Rodrigo. Thank you. And Dolly. Yeah, thank you, everybody, so much. Because, um, you know, when you share your examples, your stories, you're teaching other parents about different scenarios and how to manage them. Um, so your contributions are very, very valuable. And I just wanted to mention that. And um, do please download Christina's app. It is so good. Look, I'm a parenting coach, and it has helped me as well. Um, and I know that in Rodrigo, too, he's got great, great information. Um, so make sure to follow both of them. And remember that if you have an issue, 
and you don't want to tell family members because you know they you know families do talk um that's what parenting coaches are great for they're unbiased people that you can go to so don't be afraid to reach out to christina and ask for a consultation um and again thank you so much for being here and wait a second uh jason and dolly have podcasts also and so uh jason go first and then i want you to uh, plug your podcast as i'll probably turn this into a podcast also so let's go ahead and spread the word so our podcast audience can go and check you out um my podcast is on uh through podbean but if you you can find me on audible you can find me on pandora iHeartRadio, spotify you just have to look up 72 the architect i'm going to put that those links in my profile in just a little while so um but i do produce i take my equipment i produce like man to man is pretty much it starts with clubhouse and i simulcast it to podbean which then it goes recorded into um the other platforms and i'm trying to get onto apple right now i just have a few tech things to figure out but um i do my regular podcast from Rising Grind in the morning, Monday, Wednesday, Fridays at 7 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. And uh, Man to Man's usually either Saturdays mornings or Tuesday nights. So I got to get on board and doing a better calendar. But that's what I pretty much do. Thank you. And Dolly, your podcast. Thank you. Yeah. So my my podcast is called the Dolly Talks Podcast. And uh, you can find it through the link on my Instagram bio. And just type in Dolly Talks with an S, and that's T as in Tom um, Talks. Because uh, there's another one I saw on there, it's Dolly Talk, but that's not me. But you'll see it because it has my picture on it. So, um, and it's on podcast, Apple Podcasts, and, and ¿cómo se llama? Um, el otro, el Spotify. Spotify. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, and thank you for the support. And you know what? Um, please give us some reviews if you can, um, it, because it, it's really going to help. So, thank you so much. Thank you for listening today. Remember to subscribe and share this podcast with a friend. And don't forget, the Impactful Parenting Podcast is an extension of the Impactful Parent community. Go to the Impactful Parent website and download the free Impactful Parent app so you don't miss a parenting tip that can help you and your family. Thanks for listening today. So go to theimpactfulparent.com and see you next episode.